0: Sounds bizarre, but when you're influencing a change of thought or feeling, and certainly behavior, you're actually rewiring their brain.
1: Welcome to Stand Out Get Noticed, the podcast that helps you speak and present with rockstar confidence. I'm Christina Cantors, your host and founder of The C Method Communication Skills Training. For free resources and to subscribe to the show, visit thecmethod.com. Well, hello, hello, hello there, Rockstar. Welcome to episode 115 of Stand Out Get Noticed. Christina with you here. I want to say a big welcome to you if you are a brand new podcast listener. I hope you'll find lots of value here. And if you're a regular listener, welcome back. Thank you so much for being such an awesome supporter. Love you guys. Now, I'm very excited for today's show. We're talking all about influence. Now, have you ever wished that you had more influence over people? Perhaps you'd like people to buy into your ideas at work or take action after a presentation. Maybe you want someone to buy your services or products or simply help you out in some way. Maybe you're asking them for something. Well, as you're about to find out, my guest this week is a master of influence. His name is Julian Tatton and he's the director of Mind Group. With his team of experienced business psychologists, Julian helps leaders and organizations to increase their own level of influence through using psychological tools and techniques. I've known Julian for a couple of years now. We both work out of Hub Southern Cross co-working space here in Melbourne, and he recently ran a workshop on influence at Hub, and I learned so much from him then, I knew I had to get him on the show. In this conversation, Julian shares three powerful psychological tools that will help you to influence others so that you can help both them and you get what you want. And don't worry, this isn't manipulation. Julian explains the difference between the two and why using influence isn't necessarily icky or evil. You can learn more about Julian's work with Mind Group at mindgroup.com.au. I'll also pop links in the show notes to everything that we spoke about and how you can reach out to him at thecmethod.com slash Julian. That's Julian spelled J-U-L-I-A-N. Now, before we get to that conversation with Julian, I just want to quickly remind you about the online group coaching and mastermind program that I will be running, kicking off on July 10th. If you are an ambitious professional, maybe you're a new leader or manager, and you've decided that perhaps after listening to this podcast, that you want more help with influencing others at work and being more confident in doing so, then consider applying for the group coaching program. It's a six-week program that includes online curriculum, weekly group accountability calls, weekly one-on-one coaching calls with me, as well as ongoing support and feedback from the group. You'll learn how to be an engaging public speaker, how to articulate yourself and your ideas clearly, and how to have more overall confidence at work amongst other things. All you need to do to apply is to go to thecmethod.com slash group coaching to book in a discovery call with me. We'll explore if the programs are fit. The next program starts July 10th, and I probably won't be running another round until next year because I will be traveling and I just don't think there will be enough time. So if increasing your influence, impact, and confidence at work is a priority for you right now, and it's something you're willing to commit to, make sure that you apply now Spaces are limited, it's small group coaching only, so make sure you apply, don't leave it too late because spots will fill up and I most likely won't be running this again before the end of the year. Go to thecmethod.com slash group coaching. I've also put a link to that in the podcast description, so you should be able to tap on that link and it'll take you straight to the page. I look forward to speaking with you. Okay, let's get to the conversation with the wonderful Julian Tadden you like to say that you work with the dark side of psychology what do you mean what do you mean by this
0: I suppose when I say the dark side of psychology um, psychology can be used for so many things uh, and I call it the dark side of psychology because I tend to spend my time helping reasonably successful people be more successful rather than uh, helping people who most people would associate with psychology you know the people who um have fallen below a particular line and, and need help and support which i call the light side of psychology as in the it's more it's more the good side helping people get up to a level and i'm the dark side helping people who really don't need it and um, to be even better
1: <laughs> i love that so would you would you say that that's the difference between a business psychologist and a clinical psych- psychologist
0: yes i'm um, i'm i'm a business psychologist um and yeah i mean it, it's and i call it the dark side of psychology because often i help corporates be more successful um which some would associate as being you know helping the big machine you know mm. take more control it's like the empire you know there's there is the star wars sort of analogies in there but uh I only say it lightheartedly. I'm not a, I'm not a dark and evil person. <laughs> no. And also, I'm very, very much values-driven in terms of the organizations that I help and the purpose that I'm helping them for.
1: So why are you drawn towards helping businesses and, and individuals within those organizations?
0: Um, two reasons. One, there's a huge amount of variety. The challenge is incredible, but also the consequences of failure. Less so if you work on the light side of psychology, so to speak, mm. and someone doesn't respond well to what you're doing with them, they there could be very negative consequences. Whereas if I don't do well, a company just doesn't make quite as much money, <laughs> um, right? The second reason they tend to pay better, mm. very, very mercenary and cold <laughs> and so on, but um, ultimately. The other thing as well is you can influence uh, not just an organization but a, a whole group beyond that organization as well. Does that follow?
1: Yeah, because they're then going on to impact more and more people.
0: Yeah, and so if you're helping people influence in the right way, in a positive way, you can have an enormously positive.
1: Now this this idea of influence, I think it's something that, a lot of people wish they had more of, like how do I influence people to do things? And this is exactly what you help leaders and organisations to do. Now, I'm sure many people that you're helping already have a certain level of influence. So why do they need to come to you and learn psychological tools and techniques in order to influence
0: others? Uh, Good question. Um, We all obviously have some level of influence skill. Uh, otherwise we just wouldn't be able to operate Mm. Um, and we learn all sorts of techniques from very very young you know a toddler knows that if it pesters you enough it's going to get a biscuit Um, and I suppose the challenge is the older you get the more you can settle into a pattern and I, I don't know if you've heard the phrase but uh, if the only tool you have is a hammer, then everything starts to look like a nail.
1: Yes. Or something uh, along those lines, yeah. Yeah.
0: So I think that was a Maslow uh, uh, quote. But ultimately, uh, we can start to believe that the techniques that we have developed are the only way. Right. And so we get a kind of a, a bias towards a particular path. And so what I do is I help them either refine and develop those skills to be more effective, Or help them look in other places that maybe they haven't considered. So it's more of a a deepening and broadening of their influence skills rather than starting with a blank page.
1: Sure. When you do work with these people and and they're able to broaden their influence, what sort of results do they get from that?
0: Um, Well, the results have been quite incredible. Mm. Um, And in terms of the way that that has happened, often it's been through very minor things. So, I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, I don't know if I can say the real organization. I've not got their permission. No, that's fine. But one organization I was helping actually as a, as a freebie, um, see, it's not all dark. Um, <laughs> they actually raised their funding by 30% in one a year. And it was just by tweaking the way they approached people in terms of who they approached, mm. how they did it. Um, and it actually cost less as well because they were focusing their efforts in a better place and getting a much higher return from that effort. In terms of individuals, so it's not just about commercial outcomes. So, for example, working with a particular executive and helping them develop their influence skills. One very minor thing made a massive difference, which was just improving their ability to listen, which often we feel influence is an active Um, approach where it's about persuasion and things coming out, but by far your most powerful tools of influence are your ears. feels counterintuitive, but for that leader, it meant the difference between not just their success or failure, but the organization.
1: Mm. And I'm sure we'll talk about that in a moment because we're going to discuss some things that people can do to start being more influential and getting some things that they want. But first I want to ask you, because I know there's people thinking this, what's the difference between influence and manipulation? Because influence I know can have a bit of – some people might confuse it with manipulation I think it's a bit icky and I don't want to be making people do stuff they don't want to do. So can you just shed some light on that?
0: Well, one of the key things that uh, I think about with influence is that you have to actually start from a clear and authentic value proposition. Um, so you're actually helping someone change – the way they uh, think or feel or behave um, for the better. When it's you're just getting someone to do something for you, that's when it's manipulation.
1: Okay. So a toddler screaming for a lolly—that's that's manipulation because it's purely for them.
0: Well, it's not just for them because it gives you a little moment's peace and quiet too. So there's a
1: this there is, is a true.
0: vested interest for all parties there.
1: Okay. Well, I don't have any kids so I guess I can't speak for that so. <laughs> All right, let's talk about some key ways that people can influence others. And for those of you listening, the tools that Julian's going going to share with you, they're not just for organizations and people who are leading huge teams. This can work for you in your everyday life no matter who you're you're speaking with, really. So, one thing that you wanted to talk about was keeping your message short and simple. Can you explain this a little bit?
0: Yeah, I suppose when people feel the pressure to influence someone else, often um, our mouths can go into overdrive. We can try and persuade and and more and more and more things coming across and throwing in more features and benefits or more um, angles to your argument. And the thing that people often forget is our brain is enormously weak Mm. when it comes to taking on new information. One thing that people often forget is that another human being is just an animal. Uh, and our brains haven't changed massively since sort of caveman and woman days. And because technology is doing these amazing things around us, we, we fall into the trap of believing that we're almost infallible too. With brains, though, you've got to work with the way that they work rather than try and battle against them.
1: So what's one of the flaws that our brains have that we need to work with?
0: One of the most obvious ones is, is the capacity to actually process information so your working memory i mean we can actually even do a little test now if that would be Mm -hmm. useful do you want to have a go see how your brain's going oh you mean me yeah okay and the listeners as well
1: yeah okay yeah those of you listening those on facebook live i'm doing we're doing a facebook live right now try this right now
0: okay so all, all you'll need is your ears your brain and a pen and paper got my
1: pen and paper here
0: all right and um, so my first... Um,
1: oh, wait, I'm not supposed to be writing yet. am I? Well, have... yeah, the, the
0: first instruction <laughs> is have the pen and paper close by, but don't pick the pen up. So don't write anything down and just concentrate on what I'm saying. And all I'm going to do is read out 15 shopping items, okay? And when I say go, pick up the pen and see how many you can remember. Is everyone ready to go? Ready? Yes, I'm okay. ready.
1: Are we ready, Facebook? Yes, yep. ready to go.
0: Okay. So, uh, strawberries, ham, butter, a hammer, chocolate, cereal, washing powder, rice, broccoli, shoe polish, a garden hose, eggs, soy sauce, a pair of socks, and tomato ketchup. Okay, okay. get your pen. Away you go.
1: Wait, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say what I remember. Can you count them? Yeah, go for it. Pen, tomato sauce, strawberries, hammer, chocolate, uh Did I say soy sauce already? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I think that's all I can do. Did I say ham already? Yep. Yeah. Damn it. That's all I got. I've gone blank on the rest. How many what? did I get? Six. Six. Okay, out of fifteen.
0: Yep. Which is entirely within the average range.
1: Cool. The average I love range, being average.
0: Oh, we all love it. <laughs> but also you're concentrating on other things now as well. Mm. So don't 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 take it, you know. Don't take it too roughly on yourself. Um but the average is seven plus or minus two. Sure. So five to nine is the average range. So if you got below five, probably need a good night's sleep. And if you got more than nine, then Well done. You're either using mnemonics or you have a a superior brain between those ears. Now, one of the key things that's fascinating is you remember the first two and the last one, Mm. which is very common. That's called the primacy and recency effect. So if you're actually trying to influence someone and you would like the message to stick, make sure the information that you want them to remember is at the start or at the end. But the middle was enormously hazy Mm. for you. Um, absolutely in fact there was one two three four five six seven in a row that you did not remember at all
1: so how does this relate to someone say giving a presentation
0: Uh, again we can feel compelled to get stuff out there you know content's good
1: they have to know everything i have to share everything otherwise they'll think i'm not an expert i need to show my expertise exactly trying to share everything
0: but the communication happens in the mind of you, your audience. So mm. whilst it feels fantastic coming out, it feels awful going in. But we often, as the listeners, don't even realize what we haven't picked up. Now, the the amount of information you take on is even less because you're actually concentrating on the task. But often when someone's trying to communicate to us or influence we have you know, our smartphone distracting us. We have our own mental chatter distracting us. We have uh, whatever's going on around us uh, um, really pulling our attention in different directions. So the amount we normally take on is even less. Sure. And that was only about 15 seconds worth of information.
1: Mm, imagine a whole hour presentation or even a five-minute presentation.
0: The amount you lose is incredible.
1: So does that mean you should focus all your important stuff at the start and at the end?
0: Um, or just make it shorter in general? Well, if it's a presentation, you should actually do what's uh, what's called three by three. So you shouldn't have more than three key points because actually when you analyze how much people take on and retain, mm. um, it almost falls off a cliff on a graph after three points. And you want to control what people walk away with uh, rather than them select their favorite three from the 10 things you said. And the idea about three by three is you should tell them what you're about to tell them then tell them in an engaging and exciting way and then remind them of what you've just told them at the end.
1: Mm. I've taught my clients this idea of pretend that you're a tour guide and your audience is on this tour bus and you don't just get them on the bus and just drive without telling them what's happening. You say, welcome everyone, today we're going to visit blah, 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 blah. And then when you arrive there, you say, all right, everyone, here you see on your right the elephants. And then Later on, we're going to see the giraffes and you signpost it very clearly so they know where they are in that journey.
0: Yeah, perfect. And the, the other thing about three by three, so you three key points, tell them what you're going to tell them, then tell them and then tell them what you told them. And the last thing is practice at least three times. So, I mean, ultimately that's been an enormously helpful thing for so many clients who have to actually present and influence mm. through a presentation.
1: And it takes that pressure off you having to remember a million things. If it's only you only need to remember these three things. Exactly. makes makes it much um, easier for you as well. Okay, moving on to the next thing. When we were discussing what we were going to talk about, you mentioned influencing from the perspective of your audience. Hmm. So what do you mean by this? Because I know a lot of people – think about themselves. They're very self-focused and thinking, I need to say this, 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 or this is what I think, this is what I need to think they need to hear. Can you tell me your thoughts on this?
0: One of the key things is it can feel good coming out and we can think, why aren't they getting it? Um, but your style of influence and your style of communication and your logic and rationale actually only works with people who think similarly to you. Of course. So you're almost preaching to the converted anyway. Mm. So for them, it's almost just conveying the information. They go, aha, get it, and away they go. The challenge with influence is dealing with people who don't think like you, um, And so you have to, first of all, find out the way that they do think. So going back to the point earlier around the most powerful weapons of influence, so to speak, are your ears. Um, not only does it give you an understanding of where they're coming from, so it almost gives you an understanding of what the magic buttons are for them that you need to press, um, but also um, it allows you to listen, and we love people who listen to us. It allows us to empathize, and we love people who understand us. And it also allows you to hear about challenges or achievements that they've had so you can actually build their self-esteem too so all of those things almost drag in their willingness and or their desire to want to be influenced
1: Mm, because they they like you more there's that rapport and they go oh that julian's a great guy i feel really good when i'm around him yeah if he ask me if you know to lend him a hundred bucks yeah sure i'll lend him a hundred bucks
0: uh, if only it was so easy. I just wander <laughs> around listening to people and saying, oh, by the way, I can have 100 bucks. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it is along those lines. We want people to like us and we really need to understand things from their perspective because it's their brain that we need to actually change. Mm. Sounds bizarre, but when you're influencing a change of thought or feeling and certainly behavior, you're actually rewiring their brain.
1: Yeah. So, listening, everyone. Really, really important. Never underestimate the power of listening. Okay, final thing to discuss today. The value of your proposal needs to be there, but the actual logical message is really the thing that influences change of behavior. Explain.
0: So again, that thought that we're we're actually animals Mm. rather than robots, Um, and we're not nearly as logical as we think we are. So a great logical argument, which on paper, often people think, why wouldn't someone do that? Um, But when you actually analyze behavior, it's amazing how many logical arguments don't get across the line because of the way it's packaged.
1: Can you give an example of this?
0: Sure. I mean, so an idea of framing the message in a different way. So, for example, if you went to a doctor uh, and you were very sick, And the doctor was proposing um, a treatment that you could take to prolong your life. If the doctor said, well, there is a treatment, but uh, there are significant risks. Um, In fact, one in 20 people will die from the operation. How excited are you about that?
1: Mm, Not very.
0: Okay. What about if the doctor said to you, well, there is a treatment, and actually, with a 95% success rate, your chances are enormously positive.
1: Mm, that changes things.
0: Yeah. But the actual logic is exactly the same. Sure. So it's still a 1 in 20 chance.
1: Mm, but you've just framed it in a different way.
0: Exactly. So we can often be more persuaded by the packaging than the actual thing within the box. Mm. Or the message within.
1: I've also heard heard you talk about this idea of the of the envelope, the message around the envelope, and and the envelope is is the emotion behind it as well. So if you've got a logical message, but you deliver it with the wrong and it's wrapped in the wrong envelope, so the wrong type of emotion as well. Is that what you you mean about the reframing as well, or is there something slightly is that a little bit different?
0: The idea of emotional envelopes is, again, we're animals and we respond to emotions. Um, And the idea of an emotional envelope is it's the first thing you see. You see the emotion before you see the actual message within the envelope. The example that I use is uh, a parent shouting at a teenager. So if the parent uh, walks into the teenager's bedroom and it's an absolute hip and it's a complete disgrace and they've had a rough day and they 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 just scream oh tidy your bloody room it's a disgrace and kind of walk out and slam the door is the teenager more likely to a think this is the wake-up call i need (laughs) i haven't been (laughs) mature enough and contributing enough in this family I'm so
1: inconsiderate yeah yeah. Mm.
0: Or is it B, oh, tidy my room up just to shut them up? Mm. Or is it C, I'm off out and then slam the door yourself? Yeah. It's more likely to be B or C. And that's because the teenager is responding to the emotional envelope. They're responding to anger. They think it's uh, an unfair response for something which, oh, is tiny only a bit of a mess. And that's what they respond to. So it's always interesting to consider what the envelope is on the message that you're conveying to someone else.
1: Now, if that same parent, just to stick with that example, if that same parent were to say, oh, honey, you know how much I love you and you know how much I love keeping this house nice and clean and tidy, it would really help all of us if you could tidy up your room every now and again. Do you think that would work or would the teenager still be like, no, stuffy, I'm out?
0: Well, look, there's no guarantees, <laughs> but it's probably, it's probably going to have a higher chance of success and and sat across from you i haven't even got a messy room but i was thinking oh i'll go and i'll go and tidy my room <laughs> um, yeah i mean that that's it basically get 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 an attractive and more positive envelope mm. and then you're more likely to open the envelope and look at the actual logical message inside is that fine?
1: yeah so i won't name him but there's i go to toastmasters and there's one member of the club who he would open the club and saying Hey everyone! Thank you all for showing up. Because obviously, there's a lot of people who decided not to come today. I said to him afterwards, "That does not that is not a nice, warm welcome for the people who did come along." Like, what about, "Hey everyone! Like, I know we've got small numbers today, but well done for for joining us. Because you know, it doesn't matter if we've got a small group. The fact that you're all here is is important. And it that's it's it's the exact same number of people, but you're just framing it in a different way. Exactly. Yeah.
0: So the actual logical message is not many people turned up today. <laughs> yes. But the takeaway is so massively different.
1: Mm. Something for everyone to consider when they are trying to convince someone to do something or even in your day-to-day conversations and see what difference it makes. So based on the whole tell them what you told them, let's do a quick recap of what, we, what we've discussed today. So firstly, the brain is inherently flawed. We can only remember certain things a few things yeah so keep your presentation to three points max
0: and also we selectively attend to certain things as well so that's another reason why listening to that person is so important because you know what their initial thoughts are and There's something called confirmation bias we pay attention to things which support the way we already think or the way we already believe so that in itself is just a an enormously thing to understand about someone if you're going to try and influence.
1: Mm. So if someone's said something or mentioned something, this is a challenge or this is what I want, and that's part of your presentation, if you make sure that you include that part in the presentation, that's definitely going to resonate with them because you've heard them actually say they want that.
0: Well, I mean, with presentations, I always recommend to people, if I mean, let's say it's a a sales pitch, Mm. to actually ask a question of everyone on the panel to actually get their view of the world and it completely shifts the dynamic and it allows you to directly connect your messages to something they have said is important to them. Mm. And there's some times when you've got an audience and they, they're actually not really excited, they've not even given it a second thought why they're there. But if you ask them why you're here, what, what would you like to get out? It's almost an imagined question. Yes. Imagine this is a fantastic presentation. What do you walk away with? Oh, um, you actually force them to think. They then articulate what that ideal is and then it gives you something to run it.
1: And plus it primes them to start looking for those messages to be more likely to take that away. Love it. Okay, the second thing we discussed was that communication happens in the mind of your audience. Mm -hmm. So you've got to influence from their perspective and then finally the reframing or that, that emotional envelope concept And logic is always overrided by emotion.
0: Yes, I mean, there's so many influence tactics. I mean, the thing that I talk to uh, to clients and organizations about is 12 tactics. Um, There's actually 13 I talk to them about, but ironically, the 13th one is superstition. Um, (laughs) And uh, if you actually convey that there's 13 tactics, it's less attractive because there's actually a significant proportion of the population are trisky which is they have fear of the number 13. Wow. And it puts them off. Anyway, a bit of an aside there.
1: My birthday's on the 13th, so that wouldn't work for me. Oh, well, there you go.
0: <laughs> I said a proportion, not, not a majority. Um, but with regards to the, um, the logical side of things, it's just, it's just a very important thing to recognize or, or consider that the logic has to be there. There really has to be a value proposition. Otherwise, you're manipulating So that is very important. But to get things across, it's the packaging. It's the way you do it, which is almost more important.
1: Fantastic. Julian, thank you so much for joining me on the show. This has been absolutely amazing. If people want to learn more about you and the work you do with Mind Group, how can they best get in touch?
0: Uh, Just come and visit the website, mindgroup.com.au, and there's a contact form there. Um, I know you've
1: got some resources on there too. That yep. talk about some of this stuff to, to help people Im- implement this themselves.
0: Uh, or find me on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm very happy to chat to anyone. Quite an open person <laughs> despite being in the dark side. And so
1: <laughs> he is. He is lovely. Thanks again, Julian.
0: No worries at all. <laughs>
1: I learned so much from Julian Tadden and I just want to say a big thanks to him for being such an amazing guest on the show this week. You can find out more about how he works and who he works with at mindgroup.com.au or simply visit the show notes at thecmethod.com slash Julian. And before I leave you, remember to go to thecmethod.com slash group coaching if you're interested in learning more about the communication skills and public speaking online training that I'll be running starting July 10th for high-performing professionals. I'm so excited for this program and I cannot wait to get started. But make sure you apply before spots run out because it is only a small group that I'll be training. Okay, and that wraps up this week's episode. Thank you so much for spending some time with me today. Keep on being awesome, yeah, and I'll talk to you next week. My name's Christina Cantors, and this has been Stand Out, Get Noticed.